T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. It's always baseball season, even when the stove itself is frigid and covered with frost. And I kind of just want to set the whole kitchen on fire just to instigate some activity, Bruce Levine. Matt Spiegel, how's your polar vortex today? (laughs) Today? It's good. Yeah? It's balmy out there in Chicago. Tomorrow, I think we'll all wear shorts. It's very nice. Let's go. Time for some baseball talk. I'm ready, man. Every week of the year, you and I right here, whether things happen or not, we will dissect the inactivity, among other things. Or not is the operative uh, (laughs) phrase there. That that is exactly what it's been this offseason. As we've reported successfully since November 6th, Matt, that uh, neither Bryce Harper or Manny Machado have signed anywhere. We've been accurate all the way from November 7th until February 2nd, 2019. It's it's actually covered two years now. It's unbelievable. We continue to speculate on the possible destinations of the 100 remaining free agents. Just 100. Including some of the biggest names in the sport. And I guess they're just going to use the pressure of impending spring training reporting to try and and force the activity towards the very end. Matt and I are here for you at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 67011. We have uh, great guests uh, lined up for you. Uh, all the information that we have, uh, real or fake news, is uh, a part <laughs> of our show. We will report all the fake news that is out there on Twitter as well. Uh, so that we can uh, give that to you and you can digest it. And by the way, Matt, Inside the Clubhouse, brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your home for the best food in Chicagoland, the checklist. Here it is. The best deli, yes, indeed. The best restaurant, no doubt about it. The best bakery on the North Shore, without a doubt. Max and Benny's dinners from 4 to 9 p.m. feature full meals of roast beef, chicken, the freshest whitefish and salmon in the city. Bakery goods to die for include sugar cookies, mandel bread, home-baked bagels, bialis, rye bread, challah, you name it, at Max and Benny's. Private party room and business meeting area, 10 to 150. Catering is king there. Ask for John at MaxandBennies.com. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you some Max and Bennies in Northbrook. Bruce, it's not just Machado and Harper. It's a lot of other names that catch my eye, be it Josh Harrison at age 31, useful at multiple positions and a, and a real good hitter. Um, you know, whether it's Matt Wieters, a 33-year-old catcher who used to be desired by a whole lot of teams. How about Jose Iglesias, 2.5 war. He's a great singer. As, as, as a defensive shortstop. Mike Moustakis at age 30 with legit power is sitting out there. Marwin Gonzalez, a breakout guy from a couple years ago, play a lot of positions, have... 
have some offense. Adam Jones, 33-year-old center fielder. These are the kind of guys yeah, that maybe, are getting squeezed. Maybe not a center fielder anymore. Uh, ma- maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, but, but these are the kind of guys who are just getting right. squeezed fully in the state of this let's, market. Let's talk about the first four. We've talked uh, in depth and ad nauseum about Machado and Harper only because Chicago teams have been involved, in, uh, whether it directly with the White Sox and certainly Machado on the periphery with the Cubs. And reports continue to float in through Twitter, accurate or not, about the Cubs' uh, insistence that they're still in on Harper and that mm-hmm. there's uh, opportunities out there. Um, and then you have Dallas Keuchel, Cy Young Award winner three years ago. And you have Craig Kimball, um, maybe maybe uh, already a Hall of Famer and a closer who – was asking for six years mm-hmm. when free agency started and has not had a sniff uh, even close to that uh, with 11 days left until spring training opens. So you have these four incredibly talented free agents who are not signed with 11 days left. I, it is the new normal in baseball that right now February is the new December when it comes to signing contracts. You've got no deadline in the off season. Um, in terms of when these guys must sign. So reporting has become the deadline. This is the second year in a row that it is factored like that. I, I have not heard yet, but do you think the Boris Academy will have its own little spring training facility where guys can warm up and play? They and, might. I mean, you know, again, how impactful is signing late? Let's just take two two guys from last year. You Darvish signed with the Cubs uh, a day or two before spring training last year. Mm-hmm. So right around February 9th or 10th last year. Started off extremely slow. Was 1-5 in five, uh, with a 475 ERA when he got hurt on May 20th. Never threw another pitch in the major leagues again last year. And then had uh, some cleanup in his elbow uh, over the offseason. He's, he's ready to go 100% in spring training. Yeah, Jake Arietta, who didn't sign until March last year with Philadelphia, was looking for a seven or six or seven year deal. Ended up uh, getting only three years guaranteed with some options for seventy five million. Signed in March, Matt. He uh, won ten and lost eleven with a with a four point ERA, about three eight three nine. Started ERA. out started out well though to, right. your, to your point of the but, late arrival. But my my point is is uh, okay even if they have time to get ready, uh, it, it is not it is not the thing that you want uh, no. for your for your big time free agents. Oh, not at all, and especially you know. These are humans, as we have uh, all all learned to accept. Um, I mean, some of us have known it forever, obviously. But like, it, you Darvish, the comfort level was a massive factor for him. It's addressed even just a week and a half ago at the Cubs convention, a couple weeks ago. You Darvish talking about, oh, now I know my place, and now I'm more comfortable. So some of these guys are incredibly. Uh, damaged by not having a home until we get to this point. And then how can you count on them right away? And Some then, of them need it. You know, not to make excuses, but, you know, Arietta goes from Arizona training for the last five years uh, to back to a Clearwater uh, and f- where Philadelphia trains. Family movement, all that stuff. I know people say, well, you know, big deal, relocation. But the point is, is that you're spending – an enormous amount of money and, and and including guys in for a long period of time 
you want them to be at optimum strength and full strength mentally and physically when they go into the season, not feel rushed. And the idea that uh, that owners are backing up these free agent signings, which is their prerogative mm-hmm. and uh, has worked to their benefit economically, uh, the end result might not be what you want. No, it's it's entirely true. And now you have teams trying to put stuff together where they end up paying as little as possible for some folks towards the bottom end of the roster. And, and, and you wonder, is Brad Brock the biggest name that the Cubs will sign for their bullpen or for the entire team? Is that the biggest name acquisition? Even with all these guys remaining, is that the biggest money acquisition for a bullpen that they cannot afford to let them down come this regular season? One year, 4.35 mil for Brad Brock. There's still some guys out there. Sergio Romo's out there. Jake Diekman is out there. But Brad Brock might be as good as it gets for the Cubs in that bullpen. And, and who is your closer? Is Brock your closer with um, Morrow on the DL to start the season? Uh, who will be... Um, who will be... Uh, I just got a note from my boss saying mm-hmm. that uh, we're doing great. <laughs> uh, who will be uh, the the guy to close games out for you? Will it be? Uh, we know Morrow's not there initially, but then you have you have Edwards, you have Strope, who closed at the end of last year. Uh, more importantly, going down the line, you also have uh, very few guys that are going to be left after the season in your bullpen. Mm-hmm. You have guys with uh, with contracts that are running out. So, from that perspective, uh, you know, 2019 is looking like a year where the Chicago Cubs have a lot of ifs going in for a 95 win team. A ton, a ton of ifs, and you know, it's kind of amazing that they won 95 last year. I think they scored three runs or less as an offense 76 times. Um, they had so so the injuries to some key folks and complete and utter duds from you Darvish and Tyler Chatwood. I think out of twenty eight starts for them, you had six quality starts for for Chatwood and Darvish, and yet they still won ninety five. Yeah, games. well, you know when they scored more than two runs in the second half, they won. They were thirty four and seven. So uh, that that's an, an incredible what that means. But again, you know, back to the free agency mm-hmm. and how this is impacting uh, Major League Baseball right now. Our our, our buddy and uh, our teammate, David Haw from Molly and Haw, uh, every day, Monday through Friday, uh, wrote a nice column yesterday in the Tribune about how the impact of the contracts um, for um, Harper and Harper Machado. Machado are impacting what's going on here as far as possibly affecting Bryant and Baez and and their contracts going down in the future. Well, it's interesting because if you are Chris Bryant and Scott Boris, you have been waiting and are probably still waiting for that moment when you can cash in and you have a, a jump on the process by watching your pal and another Boris client, Bryce Harper. Now he's sitting here with his moment to cash in, and it's not coming. It's not happening. You know the Cubs have gone to Bryant in multiple off-seasons and said, can we sign you to one of these preemptive long deals, buy out some arb years, 
buy out a free agent year or two and give you something like Mike Trout got in uh, in, in in Anaheim, um, and that's been shut down by Bryant and Boris. But does the the uh, the development of the market make them perhaps more likely to say yes to a deal like that? Was one of Hall's points. Well, Matt, take it a step further and look at uh, the injury plague season that Bryant had last year mm-hmm. and the unpredictability of great health for an athlete going forward, which is something that uh, probably retards the look at uh, guys signing 10-year contracts when you have guys like Miguel Cabrera and uh, Albert Pujols sitting there with four or five years left on contracts, and people can't wait for them to, uh, with all due respect, not be able to go to the post anymore because they, they can't help very much. Certainly in the case of uh, pool holes, he's mm-hmm. not going to, he's not going to get any better. Uh, Cabrera missed a whole last year. He's got five years left in a contract. <laughs> There's no way he's going to be the quality that he was. So Unbelievable. from all of that, you look at Bryant's situation, you go back to that and you say, wouldn't it be more prudent as David Haw pointed out in his Tribune story yesterday to um, sign something long-term now rather than wait, especially the way that ownership has looked at these long-term contracts going forward. We're talking to you, the Chicago baseball fan, about the state of the free agent market, about your Cubs, your Sox, any of the news that came out of Cubs convention and Sox Fest is lingering for you. Uh, you're welcome to interact, and, and we appreciate it and always enjoy it. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. You can text directly at 67011 or tweet at us. He's at MLB Bruce Levine. I'm at Matt Spiegel 670. This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. And by the way, uh, in a couple hours, uh, Steve Rosenblum and I will be continuing probably some Super Bowl talk and the Super Bowl and coverage on the scores presented by Sprint. Sprint, brighter future for all. Right. And I uh, can't wait to listen to that tomorrow. As uh, Who do you like? You like New England? I, I can't bet against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. You lost last year. I, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I still can't. I, I can't do it when they have two weeks to, to prepare. Do you realize that Tom Brady, at age 43 is three years younger than Bartolo Colon. A little more successful in his trade as well. But still active. Uh, Bartolo Colon's an amazing story, and uh, it's fun to watch a guy like that. But, you know, those two in the same breath, you know, probably not. Okay, how about Uh, 45-year-old Ichiro Suzuki on my free agent list here? You know, that's, that's, again, that's a... uh, you know, that's just a gag this year where he's signing with Seattle, going to play in two games in Japan to open the season. Right. And then uh, retire again. You want a legit Brady conversation that ties over to baseball? I can give it to you. Is Tom Brady the best over 40 athlete in the history of pro team sports? Or is it Nolan Ryan? who was a badass over 40, multiple strikeout titles, multiple no-hitters for several different teams, in fact, a couple different teams. Multiple finding uh, new ways to uh, to throw pitches that weren't necessarily legal. Nolan? Yeah? Even the, the fastball or He went to stuff? Houston and he learned a new pitch, and it was called the, uh, the scrape. Okay, so that's what they did there. But not taking anything away from Nolan Ryan, but again, that's a great question. The best over 40 uh, athlete in professional sports of all time. You have to have Brady's got to be right there. And Brady at 41, not 43. But so, yeah, Brady's right there. I think Nolan Ryan is right there. And I think uh, 
uh, somebody could go to Satchel Page if they want to go uh, back that He might have been the greatest uh, over 50 pitcher in the major leagues. Uh, the urban legend has it that he was in his 50s by the time he ended his career in the uh, middle 60s with uh, Kansas City. John, Mike, and Steve, we will get to your phone calls after the break. If you want to hop in, do it now. 312-644-6767. A couple of guests coming up later on in the show. Megan Montemurro, who covers the Phillies for the Athletics. See what the realities are for them and Bryce Harper right, and Jim, Machado. And Jim Bowden from MLB Network and the Athletic uh, will talk to us. He's been out there in front on a lot of the reporting uh, especially saying that Bryce Harper still had the $300 million deal out there as recently as 10 days ago. Hmm. Uh, we'll talk to Jim about it. He's always interesting. And, of course, you at 312-644-6767. That's our open lines here on Inside the Clubhouse. It's Inside the Clubhouse. He's Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. We're right back with you on The Score. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse. Here on 670, the score. What was the tweet you referenced there, Bruce Levine? It is Groundhog Day after all. It is. Uh, six more weeks uh, of Machado Harper talk, according <laughs> to the Groundhog. Please, please, so, please, no. It, it, you know, it has been a, a brutal offseason for fans. And uh, I've heard an awful lot from people out there, uh, people who love the Cubs and Sox and other teams, uh, as well as media people and there there is this uh, frustration continuing to mount about how the off season should be more maybe predictable as far as when people can sign when people should not be able to sign yeah i feel as, like we've had that conversation right, signing, multiple times signing signing periods so that um there there is a forced element for both the teams and the players to get something done. Well, it, it seems absurd, and it is absurd, that there's such little clarity for the roster construction of several teams here as we've hit February. It's February, too, and a bunch of teams don't know exactly what their depth charts might right. be, and all these players not having a place to go. Why is there no forced period in baseball like there is in every other sport? Um, I, I can't give you a direct answer other than to tell you that um, – the free agent system in baseball and arbitration is unique uh, to itself because of the fact that there are there have been no hard caps in uh, in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting as close to a hard cap in baseball as we've ever gotten to right now. Uh, the fact that uh, there's no ceiling, there's no basement when it comes to salary expenditures, and it's a free, total free market. Yeah, so every, uh, every year the, the, the market uh, kind of has to reframe itself every right. single season. But up until the last two years, Matt, it's worked to the, the player's advantage over these years where arbitration has artificially inflated contracts regardless of the type of year you have. I mean, you have a down year like, uh, for instance – uh, you look at Chris Bryant last year. He you know he missed sixty games. His numbers were significantly down from his mm-hmm. career numbers. Yet he still gets a uh, almost three million dollar raise in uh, pay because of arbitration system. Because of that's just how the system works. Right. I and- mean, he didn't have a horrible year, uh-huh. but he didn't have the year of the like he had in the numbers in the past. Therefore, um, wouldn't you say that? You would normally, in other businesses, even out, make the same amount or less. 
it's, I, I, you know, usually. See, it's funny because it used to be that way all the time. Right. In, in DiMaggio, Ted Williams days. Right. Every single year, you'd go and meet with the boss and talk about what your contract is next year. Right. You know, Williams had, had years where he was MVP and win a triple crown and would still get uh, a minimal amount of a raise. Mm-hmm. He would still make more than many people in the game. But with the arbitration system, it artificially inflates uh, every year. Now, And you the, add indentured servitude and no real free agency. Now you have control, Matt, of... Um, the system because you're not necessarily signing everybody up and you flood the market with free agents, which forces um, people to accept deals, professional players that have been successful up to the last couple of years signing minor minor league deals right now. You know, arbitration continues to do that. Nolan Arenado signing for a one-year $26 million deal. Uh, and then he's a free agent next year. Sure. So uh, you can't pay him less well, than $26 Josh, million per. Josh Donaldson, uh, coming off of an injury-plagued year where he was only healthy 40 or 50 games, mm-hmm. gets $23 million for one year. This is Frank in Plainfield on 670 The Score. Hello, Frank. How are you? Welcome in. Hey, welcome, fellas. Good morning. Um, you know, my statement is just a bit more about, do you think that the uh, baseball players in general and maybe the agents – but just asking too much. I mean, during the steroid era, people were playing and producing longer. Now they're not. Do you think this is just a byproduct of people asking for, you know, a seven, eight, nine, ten year contract? Well, we know if they're not on steroids anymore or performance drugs. Well, I think the length of deals is them asking for too much, and that's being slammed back in their face. So I agree with that. Yeah, but- the money. The money seems to be uh, par with what they've been paying. Well, the money's actually gone down, right? Last year, well, but the median very, salary. Very little. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of leveled off. First time in uh, many years that it's the uh, median salary, about $4.4 million went down. Right, but, but you know, revenues have gone up. Sure. Re- revenues are skyrocketing sure, but, and salaries but, but are not. But they're not attached. Well, there's this kind of unspoken agreement they're, they're that they should be. They're not attached yeah. because there there is no tie-in to a... Um, uh, any type of uh, salary um, cap, cap or floor, right? Meanwhile, the NFL in their last uh, CBA, right. they, you know, the, they, the, they the owners out are a deal. pushing this toward that for the new CBA in 2021. Right, because in the NFL, there's a certain percentage of revenue that is flat out allotted uh, to the the players. That's uh, how the NFL works. They they set up the big pie. They set up the big pie, and, and, and then that certain amount goes to players, and there's a salary cap floor and a salary cap ceiling. Without that here in MLB, there's no, there's no definitive structure that has to be in place. That's why the market remakes itself every single year. Absolutely. This is John in Braidwood on 670 The Score. Hello, John. How are you? Okay, guys. How are you? I wanted to uh, vent some of my frustration with the Cubs. Uh, I've been a Cubs fan since I was a kid, and... The problem with this team that just does not ever seem to get addressed, we're going into the third year, is the top of the lineup. And, Bruce, you've been talking about it for the past two years now, going into the third year. Um, This revolving board that we have in the outfield, the Cubs just do not have a championship-looking outfield from center field to left. Um, Ian Happ and especially Albert Almora, in my opinion, are very overrated. I think Albert Almora, at the best, is a number six hitter. He's not a leadoff hitter, neither is Ian Happ. But, Bruce, the, the thing I wanted to ask you is, is why haven't the Cubs 
concentrated on that when it's an obvious problem, and is there anybody in the system that might help them out? Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. Why don't we wait and address that stuff after we talk to our guests? Well, I'll just address it quickly and say there's no one in the system that's moving up in the outfield right now. So the hope is that uh, the people that are there, the young outfielders, Hap and Schwarber, continue to improve. There's no center fielder um, coming Mm -hmm. in at this point. You might see a veteran sign like an Adam Jones down the line, but we don't know that. And there's a dearth of legit leadoff hitters all around the game. I don't disagree disagree with him. It's uh, time on 670 The Score to take a look in one of the markets where we were expecting stupid money to be spent. Will it still? We'll find out as Megan Montemuro, our good friend from The Athletic, who covers the Philadelphia Phillies, Chicago native joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Megan. How are you? I'm good. How about you guys? Oh, we're doing great. Hey, look, um, we get so many mixed messages uh, about Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, I know that their general manager came out this week and said, we're going to get one of the two guys that are out there in Harper or Machado. Megan, tell us who is the final decision maker there. We We have an owner that has been aggressive since November, saying that they're going to spend stupid money. They have Andy McPhail, former Cubs uh, boss and CEO, president for 12 years here, now the president of the Phillies. And, and then you have uh, Matt uh, Quintek is your uh, GM. Who Who is going to decide who and when and how this all gets done when Philadelphia ends up signing one, two, or none of these guys? Well, I think the most important thing is anytime you're dealing with big contracts and potentially long-term contracts, a lot of it comes down to ownership and what they're willing to spend and, you know, when to pull the trigger. Obviously, McPhail and Klintak have a lot of say in in where they're comfortable uh, going to in terms of a length of the deal and maybe overall money. I mean, the big thing with the Phillies is money is really not an issue. I mean, if it comes down to outbidding somebody, they can do it. They only have about $75 on the books for next season, far less after that. Um, they don't have very many long-term deals tied up. Um, most of them are, are shorter-term stuff, like their contracts with Arietta and Andrew McCutcheon. Um, so there's a lot of flexibility there, and it, it's kind of a, a collection of things. But really, you know, I did some talking to some um, GMs and team presidents um, in November about um, signing big contracts like this, guys who've had experience with it, and Basically, the consensus was ownership really has a huge hand in these kind of deals. So nothing's going to happen without uh, Middleton, who is their, their managing um, partner, without without his consent. Um, so ultimately, it's going to come down to w- where they're comfortable pulling the trigger. That makes all the sense in the world. When Washington was the team to come in as the high bidder, it was the learners stepping in. As Cubs fans were dreaming of Bryce Harper, they're dreaming of the Ricketts family stepping in and saying, okay, to, uh, to, to go with the big expenditure. So Andrew McCutcheon's deal does not preclude the possibility still of, of one of these very big ones? Because you looked at that and wondered whether that was an allotment of resources. No. I mean, when you look at they have so many young players that guys that aren't – like Aaron Ola just hit arbitration for the first time this year. So, so a lot of their youngest talent is still a ways away from free agency – and the deals that they've signed, McCutcheon's is three years, $50 million. It has a, an option year at the end for a fourth year. But there's a lot of flexibility they have with that. You know, Arietta's deal, um, 
you know, it's technically only a three-year deal with the two option years. So they have a lot of, they have money to work with. They, they are benefiting from a massive TV contract. Uh, so money is certainly not the issue, which, you know, I think is causing some frustrations for Phillies fans because they have the money to make a deal happen for one of these guys. And um, the Phillies obviously need to be cautious that they're not bidding against themselves. And that's the interesting thing, Megan, is uh, here in Chicago, the White Sox fans are getting antsy because uh, they know that the White Sox have had a bid in for over a month on uh, seven years and, you know, somewhere between 175 and 210 million for Manny Machado. And it's, it's just been sitting there. Uh, what, what, again, you have your finger on the pulse of the Philly fans there. Tell, tell us what, what, what that's like on a Twitter basis on a daily basis from what you're able to perceive from uh, Philadelphia fans about whether or not they get one of the one of one or two or none of these guys. Oh, I mean, there's definitely mounting frustrations from what I've seen and heard. Um, you know, when you have your owner say publicly that, you know, spending stupid money, I mean, that stuff, that, that phrasing sticks with fans for better or worse, I'm sure. Um, there are people in the, in the Phillies front office that probably would prefer that had not been said. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think again, you look at the situation the Phillies have with money, money is really not the issue. And so knowing that, sure, there's definitely frustrations that, you know, the team's heading reports to, to Clearwater, Florida in less than two weeks, and there's not much, much resolution. And, and the other thing is too, is, you know, signing Machado or Harper, um, it, there's a domino effect to that. Like the, the Phillies have to make moves after that because whether it's moving their current third baseman, like they're not, it wouldn't be the only move they make. So this is a hard team to really analyze of what they can be this year. Right now, uh, steamer projections have them going 79 and 83 with this current roster, which would only put them fourth in the NL East. So there's still work to be done with this roster. And I think the combination of that and knowing that you have two difference makers out on the market still um, has created some frustration. The bottom of the hour was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Combine the conference's highest scoring offense with one of the stingiest defenses. And what do you have this year's Chicago Wolves? Catch the Wolves tonight at 7 at Allstate Arena as they host Manitoba and enjoy free parking courtesy of Kia. Megan, in 2014, the Phillies signed the TV deal you mentioned, a $2.5 billion deal with Comcast Sportsnet, but there's more to it than that. I, I don't know how well-versed in it uh, you are, but give us, to, to the best of your knowledge, because annually, I know Scott Boris says it's worth like $200 million annually. That's Boris talking on the player's behalf, obviously. <laughs> but there's there, there's kind of unseen money as Cub fans are sort of waiting for the Cubs TV deal to manifest. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the annual breakdown is, but clearly that is a lot of money that they have to play with over the last few years and going forward. And especially through that stretch when that, when that deal kicked in, the Phillies were rebuilding. They weren't spending that much money on payroll. Of course, obviously they weren't bringing in a ton of money uh, or revenue through ticket sales and stuff like that, but the money is there. And so I think that's why, you know, the the Phillies are in both a, 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 a good spot because, you know, Clearly, they can make the move when they want to make it. But at the same time, you, if you're the Phillies, you do have to, again, be careful that you're not bidding against yourself. Um, so I think they're in a good spot that they, if, if it comes out and they hear you know, what the final offers are from other teams, they have the means to 
outbid anybody should they choose that route. So um, the TV deal is obviously um, a huge benefit to what they want to do. Um, and like I said, they have so few guaranteed uh, contracts on the books for 2020, 2021, and beyond that and any any move that they make, McCutcheon does, didn't hinder anything. Uh, adding, trading for Segura doesn't didn't hinder them. Signing Robertson didn't hurt them. So, I mean, it shows the amount of uh, financial power they really have. <laughs> Megan, if uh, the Phillies don't get one of these two guys, will the offseason be considered a failure? Will they be automatically picked uh, third or fourth to uh, finish in the eyes of the people in Philadelphia? And in your eyes, uh, somebody who covers them on a daily basis? I think so. I mean, the front office has definitely taken steps since the season ended to downplay that theme, um, pointing to future free agent classes and and whatnot and, you know, being able to add through trades and turning some of the young assets they have, even through the minor league systems, uh, into more proven talent. But I, I think it would be a failure. I mean, there are no real financial constraints to sign one of those guys. Um, they have the means to do it. And I understand that uh, front off, a lot of front offices are, are very risk-averse. And obviously signing a guy, even if he's 26, year old, 26 years old right now, to a say an eight-year deal carries some risk. But, I mean, you look at the rest of the NL East and three teams got better this offseason. And if you're the Phillies, you really need to, to step it up, I think, and, and add – talent um that you really that is hard to get in in this league um so yeah i think if they don't get one of these guys that i i think personally i would consider it to, to be a failure of an offseason because of that kind of talent megan i'm uh, matt and i appreciate your time keep up the great work uh, always a pleasure to see you when uh, the phillies are in town i know you have a lot of family and friends here and uh we uh we appreciate you joining us on inside the clubhouse today you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Megan Montemuro from The Athletic in Philadelphia covering the Phillies, giving us her intake and saying, will be a failure if they don't get him. I, I, every every top front office person I've talked to in the offseason believe they'll get one of these guys. Yeah. They- it's just when does the overpay take place? Does it get to 10 years for Harper? Uh, does it get to eight or nine for Machado? And if it is Harper... Do the White Sox then become really the number one destination for Machado? I would think so. You've got San Diego in there kind of building up both markets, but I'm not sure that San Diego wants to go as high as these guys dream of. You know, uh, talking to Megan, you know, what we realize is that the Phillies have to make a big move. Do the White Sox or the Padres have to make a big move? I don't think so. They're not not the same kind of not the same kind of pressure, not the same kind of perceived readiness and massive cash surplus. I, I have some details about that Philly TV deal that I think are pertinent to what the Cubs are trying to work out that I'd love to throw at you. Great, we'll do Look that forward to when we come back. And Jim Bowden uh, at the top of the hour uh, talking about all the MLB rumors we can possibly find. It's inside the clubhouse. He's Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on the score. Zach Withers on the other side of the glass. Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Jim Bowden at the top of the hour as we try to figure out what's going on with the remaining free agents. Yeah, it's a it's a very strange market. Frustrating market for sure, especially in Chicago with the 
Machado talk on the White Sox for so long and the fact that the Cubs have been locked into not signing very many people. They've signed a few uh, free agent uh, relief pitchers here lately. Uh, yesterday, uh, Tony Barnett, who has played for the uh, Texas Rangers the last three years, signed a major league contract. Brad Brock signed last week to a deal. But uh, other than Descalso, uh, nothing real sexy for the Cub fans to uh, sink their teeth into, Although, albeit a 95-win team from 2018 going into 2019. Well, at some point along the way this offseason, Theo Epstein directly said, you know, until any kind of TV money comes in, we're not sure what they'll have in terms of an operations budget, a baseball operations budget. And that TV money we're all expecting um, – I'll be interested to see how it ends up working. I reference well, the, uh, before ahead. you go into your uh, dissertation on this. <laughs> let me interrupt you and tell you, remind you that when Theo was on with us, he told us that he doesn't expect for the first two years of the TV deal right. to get any revenue for the baseball department, and that's huge. Uh, I mean, uh, we we felt that you know the, the extra money, the two point five billion that you're going to talk about, the Phillies getting for their deal, mm-hmm. that the Cubs were going to get. Uh, similar money, and there was going to be excess money for them to spend as much as they want to. And with Epstein telling us the money is just not going to be there in 2020 and 21 for them, uh, that's a that's a big a big difference in how they go about their business. Now, it doesn't mean that more money will not be allotted from the other revenue that they've created with everything they've done around the ballpark. Uh, it, it's it's possible yeah. that that will I mean, will they happen. have sixty million coming off the books and contracts next year. Mm-hmm. How they can, how they try to fill those spots and how much they spend will be interesting. Doesn't appear a lot of that will come from their minor leagues. Well, it does fit that two years of not being able to get money from it fits with the model of the Phillies deal in 2014. The Phillies signed this deal and i mentioned it was 2.5 billion dollars but it's really a lot more than that it's five billion dollar deal the 2.5 was the straight rights fees and bruce i think you know the rights fees is the only part that is subject to revenue sharing right for mlb so they had to give 34 percent of that 2.5 billion to mlb as part of the revenue sharing what they also built in though is another 2.5 billion dollars worth of value in terms of equity stake in the in Comcast Sportsnet Philadelphia and the ability to sell advertising, right? And that kicked in in it's, 2016, it's, two years after the combi- initial deal. It's combined uh, advertising sales, right? So that that equity and the advertising revenue that kicked in in 2016, that's the annual dependable value that's coming to the Phillies that is not subject to the revenue sharing. That, so they game the system. Is, that that is the hopeful. Cub uh, station and what they're going to be able to do as well. Right. Because uh, whenever they pick their new partner, whether it's Sinclair or somebody else, and we expect an announcement sometime in the next week or 10 days mm-hmm. about uh, their deal, which will start in February 2020, uh, exactly what you explained uh, very clearly that uh, the, the amount of money that goes toward revenue sharing uh, is one thing. The rest uh, can be all kind of gravy for them when they sell a joint advertising with Sinclair or whoever their partner will be. Right. So you can get kind of creative and uh, say, oh, no, the rights fees that we're getting are this much. And then you give that percentage away. But everything else is actually only yours and yours alone. Let's uh, go to Carl on the Edens. He's been holding talk about Manny Machado. And uh, before we get to Jim Bowden at the top of the hour, I think we'll... uh, We'll chime in with uh, Carl. What's going on, Carl? 
Yes, Bruce, I, I got a, a, a two-part question for you. Um, the first part is, uh, in your opinion, do you think the White Sox will sign Manny Machado? That's part A. And part B is, have you ever talked to uh, teammates of Manny's on the Orioles or Dodgers to see what kind of character he is in the clubhouse? And if he, if he doesn't match good with his teammates or players or the organization, I wouldn't even consider signing him to a to that kind of contract, especially with the young talent that the Chicago White Sox uh, are trying to bring up to the major leagues. I think it would be a horrible thing. But if his character is good, and if the White Sox can sign him, then go ahead and sign him. Thanks, I'm Carl. A- uh, it's a great question, particularly the second half, Matt. And yes, I've done a lot of homework on uh, what type of individual you have here. And, you know, everybody was so concerned because he stepped on people in the playoffs. Uh, he said he wasn't Johnny Hustle. But from the from the idea of teammates, people around him, uh, past managers and general managers that I've talked to, uh, all of them have said that he, although he doesn't uh, bring a lot of leadership ability, uh, he is uh, not unliked in the clubhouse. There are not – people do not dislike him. Teammates do not dislike him. But if you think you're getting a leader, a guy that's going to be the rah-rah guy and and push you out there on the field, he's not that guy. No, but I, I've heard but, but some... A, but a quality person who just kind of just goes out there and plays the game. And the most important part of that, Matt, look at the games played. He averages about 156 games played. So here's a guy that people question as far as the hustle, but he plays every day. And uh, that is something that you really want from your superstars. We'll talk to Jim Bowden uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes on Inside the Clubhouse and later on in the 10 o'clock hour. Um, we'll, we'll address that, that Cubs-Harper rumor that is all over the internet a little bit today as well. It's Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t